All right. How are we doing? Go ahead and grab a seat. All right, yeah. What is up? How's everybody feeling post spring break? Anyone need a longer spring break? Put it closer to my face. Everyone makes fun of me where I hold my mic. How does this? Is this better? Yeah, there we go. How's everybody feeling post spring break? Do you guys? Oh, I don't, almost lost my place there. Uh, do you guys know we only have like f after this four salt companies left in the year? Yeah, boo! I know, right? Uh, which is crazy. Can you believe that this year is coming to a close? It's kind of kind of nuts, right? I feel like we just started this year, but uh, we still have. I mean, which is really exciting. Some really fun things coming up that I think you want to know about. Actually, one this week that someone encouraged me to announce that I'm actually really excited for some of the people that are leading this is a really big worship night coming up this Saturday. It's really cool. Just some students wanted to see, you know, a, a massive worship night on campus where a lot of people from other churches and different ministries came together to, to worship. And so I'm really excited, man. So I'm going to hopefully be out there hanging out with you guys and uh, excited for that. It's Saturday night. Someone know the time? A, a in the Wrights Ballroom, so uh, which will be really cool. Some other fun things. I mean, Josiah mentioned uh, men's thing. Go talk to Mac. Apparently, uh, Salty's coming up, which is like if the Oscars and uh, what else, the Dundies and other things were like actually fun. There'll be dancing, awards, food. It's gonna be a blast. There's a dance afterwards, right, Joe? Yeah, sick. Um, you want to see my best dance move right now? All right, here we go. Absolutely not am I going to dance. Some other things we got coming up, which is <laughs> transition. Uh, some other things we got coming up, actually starting next week, which we're really excited about. For the last four weeks of Salt Company, we're going to be jumping into uh, a new little series looking at lessons from the life of David. And so we're going to start that starting next week where we're going to jump into the book of 1 Samuel and look at the life of David and just extract. I think there's some key lessons there. And so I'm really excited. Jump in with us next week as we kind of begin looking at lessons of the life of David. But we've got a couple weeks left of school. And I, I thought it was, I think it'd be really good tonight to honestly just give you guys some encouragement with the last couple weeks. I think it's important as we begin to like look kind of of how we're going to finish. Oftentimes we can feel, um, I don't know, tired, exhausted. We can begin to check out mentally. And so what we kind of thought today as a salt company team was just to like, as you guys come back from spring break, is to really just give you some encouragement, um, even from the Bible, uh, even from the Bible, from the Bible, <laughs> as you kind of begin to wrap up this semester. And so if you've got a Bible, go ahead and open up to Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to be looking at just two verses in Hebrews chapter 12. I remember uh, watching uh, like, like highlight clips of like Tim Tebow in college. And then one of like the most memorable moments was like his halftime speech in the national championship in 2006, or was it, it was 2008, actually, 
And he just came in and just was like, we got 30 minutes for the rest of our lives. You know, he's just like pumping people up where he's like, listen, it's not over yet. We got to keep going. We have to finish. And so I think he was encouraging, encouraging his team to say like, hey, guys, it's not over. Like there's still like games to play. We got to go. We got to come back. We got to win this game. And so the writer from Hebrews in a similar way is not going to yell at you like a halftime speech, but is talking to people who are actually going through hardship, that are going through suffering, that are even facing the temptation to not continue in the fight of faith, who they were professed Christians, were following Christ, but had encountered suffering, encountered persecution, and they were beginning to even face the temptation to fall away, to check out. And the writer of Hebrews wants to give them some encouragement. And so we're going to read just two verses in Hebrews chapter 12. And then uh, we're going to, it's going to be just really short tonight. And hopefully, if I just keep talking, just cut me off. And we're going to actually do some more worship and then even give us a chance to even respond how the writer of Hebrews would encourage us tonight and how I feel like the Lord wants to, um, man, point us tonight. And then we're just going to, as a kind of a community of Salt Company, just hang out afterwards and have some ice cream for a little bit. But uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. He writes this. Therefore, since we also have such a Large cloud of witnesses, which he's talking about all of chapter 11, which we'll talk about in a second. He says, since we're also surrounded by such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Where we look is really important. Where your eyes are focused is really important. Did anyone go skiing over spring break? Yeah, I got some skiers here, snowboarders. Anyone snowboard? Surfing, is that a thing? People in here in Gainesville surf? Anyone? There's nowhere to surf in Gainesville, so you're a liar. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you go to the coast. But what's true about that is like where you look, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm really bad at all of those, but where you look is important. Where your eyes go, your body follows. I remember snowboarding a lot, and you're just like, I kept like trying to turn, and I would like hit an edge and just face plant into the snow, and you're like, and my friend, like as I'm dying on the ground, he'd be like, dude, your eyes, you got to look where you want to go. I'm like, I didn't ask you for advice, but thank you. Um, Where your eyes look, it's really important. Where where you look is kind of where you'll head. I remember, this is true actually, in, anyone run track in high school? Yeah. I ran track one time. And by one time, I mean I ran one track meet and never did it again. And here is this story. I was supposed to run the 300 hurdles. Do, do I, does that surprise you or something? Yeah. I, 
<laughs> and I, I took off, okay? And I'm, this, I've never run this event before. I practiced it maybe twice. Uh, not really track got, but it just was, I was doing it for fun. So uh, there's a girl I was actually trying to talk to <laughs> on the track team. Just like track, didn't work out. Uh, anyways, here's how, here's how it started, okay? I'm in first place for like a little bit. Listen, I took off. I'm not kidding. And I'm cruising. And I am just like going, running my race. And I am in the, I'm actually in the lead. Okay, it was the second heat, but whatever. I'm, I'm in first. And there was only three people in the race. I'm in, <laughs> I'm in first. And I am just cruising over these hurdles. And, but then something happened. I took my focus. Like, I just noticed that I was in first. And I kind of just started like looking around me. Which is like, dude, there's literal hurdles in the, why would you stop looking at, anyways, so I just kind of took my focus off of where I was going, and, and next thing I know, I look up, and then I see the hurdle, and my eyes are just glued on the hurdle and not like above the hurdle, and if you run hurdles, you know you're not supposed to focus on the hurdle, you're supposed to focus like above the hurdle, and I'm just like glued in on it, and there's only like two left, and I remember, and I've got my little spikies on, <laughs> and... It wasn't a, like a soft track. It was like a like one of those hard tracks, you know what I'm talking about, like the janky ones. And I like jump over the hurdle, see that form, and I'm just, but I'm looking at the hurdle as I'm jumping over it, and my like foot cl- like clips it together, and it just went, whoosh, hurdle goes flying behind me. I go flying down. I like put my leg out to stop my face from crushing into the concrete. And just like sparks flying everywhere. Just like, and I fall and people pass me, all three other people. And I have to do the like the walk of shame where you like get up and you're like, I got to finish. And you just like jog like across the finish line. And that's the end of the story. Here, <laughs> here, here's the point. Where you put your focus is oftentimes where you'll end up. It's where your future lies. And the writer of Hebrews wants to encourage us tonight, and he wants to encourage you to put your focus on the right thing. And so I'm, I'm curious, as you walk in the room tonight, where's your focus? Like, what did you walk into this room tonight focusing on, thinking about? Where does your mind go tonight? Is it on you, all the things that you need to get done? Is it your future? Is it your career? Is it your relationship? What is it the thing that you're so focused on? Where are your eyes? Because where your focus is, I think often our future will follow that. Maybe your focus is even on some sin that you're carrying in in this room, some baggage that you brought into this room, some broken relationships, some fear, some doubt that you're carrying Oftentimes, our focus is on a lot of other things, and I mean, that's, that's called being human, but our encouragement tonight as a staff and, and for you as you kind of think about ending this year is to put your focus on the right place, and that's where I just want to look at the ver- these two verses really quick and look at where we put our focus with like five weeks left. Sound good? All right, let's quickly just jam through these verses. Verse 1 says this, therefore, since we also have such a loud, or loud, large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, therefore, so let's just stop there to unpack verse 11. He's talking, therefore, it explains what the last chapter is, therefore. 
You've heard that before, right? Said it like 80 times. Therefore, it's chapter 12 is actually building off chapter 11. And chapter 11 is about, you'll, you can read it. It's all these people, Abraham, Moses, uh, Joseph. It talks about um, Rahab. It talks about Sarah. It talks about all these people in the Bible that talk, that, that the Bible, all the stories that um, they talk about. Hebrews is saying, you are surrounded by so many people who have run the race and kept their focus on what matters, that they themselves had faith to the finish. All of these people were people that were marked by faith. And they're saying, listen, look, it's possible. You're surrounded. You may be going through a lot right now. You may be, he's writing to people who are going through some serious persecution. He's saying, listen, you're surrounded by people who have gone through the same struggles, who are imperfect like you, and yet are a great cloud of witnesses now that they are passed away and in heaven, but they are witnessing to the fact that their faith saved them, and now they are living in eternity with God, and you are surrounded by these witnesses who have lived by faith. So he encourages them. It is possible. And then he tells them two things to do. One, to just, man, know that you're surrounded by people who have kept their focus on the faith, and you should too. And then he gives them two just commands in these verses of what to do. Two verses, and here they are. In the second part of verse one. Therefore, since you're surrounded by all these things, two things. First, let us lay aside every hindrance and sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us lay aside every hindrance and sin that so easily ensnares us. Hindrance and sin. Hindrance there talks about is something that is like a weight, something that weighs you down. As he's encouraging these people to continue on in the faith, he gives them a command, lay down every hindrance and sin. But first one is a hindrance. Lay down every hindrance. What does that mean? It's like a, a weight. But the word hindrance there doesn't mean that's something negative, which is interesting to me. It's just something that weighs you down. It's like something that's unnecessary, something that takes away from running the race. It'd be like if you showed up to a track meet wearing a giant ski coat. Is it wrong to do that? Well, no. But it's a hindrance. It's going to weigh you down. How, how in the world could you run with a giant, like, Iowan ski coat, you know? Like, it's unnecessary. You don't need, it's like, like I don't know, like a giant ski coat <laughs> at a track event. That's, that is my example. It's not necessarily bad, but it's not helping you accomplish the mission. This is what the, this is what the writer is encouraging us to do. There are things in your life that may not be sin, but they are not helping you run the race of following Jesus. In fact, there's not only bad things in your life that are keeping you from pursuing the Lord, there are actually good things in your life that are slowing you down and keeping you from pursuing holiness, pursuing the thing that God wants for your life. Which should make us like, oh man, if we're supposed to lay aside all of it, if, if we are supposed to run this race, we need to figure out what are these things 
that are just weights that are keeping us down? Is it focus on relationships? My career? It could be family. Money. Things that are good things. But when they become a weight and a hindrance to us actually pursuing what God has for us, holiness and righteousness, we're called to lay that down. He says don't only just lay down hindrances, but he says lay aside hindrances and the sin that so easily entangles you. Some of the things that slow you down in your walk with Jesus, yeah, maybe they are just like normative good things that are just kind of getting in the way. But oftentimes what will keep people from pursuing their purpose and walking with God in the way that he desires for you, what he desires for your life is sin that so easily ensnares us. Now, what is the writer talking about to these people there's some debate about, but because he, he uses the phrase, the sin. Most likely, because of chapter 11, he's talking about faith and faith and faith. It's probably the sin of just unbelief, which is actually a form of every sin, if you really think about it. The form of unbelief. And what is sin? It's thinking that I know better than God. God has set this standard, this way, and I am choosing not to believe God, but choose my own path. This is what God says about eating fruit. Adam and Eve, I don't believe you. Unbelief. Sin. I don't believe that what God has for me is best. And not only what God has, but when God has it for me. Often sexual purity for college students. For me. An unbelief that the way and the when and the how God has designed it is what's best, and I have to believe what is best and pursue that. And anything that is unbelief to that will lead to sin. Does that make sense? Unbelief of God leads to sin. And it says, sin that so easily ensnares us. In college, I've told you this, I've told you guys stories about my college time. It was rough. I lived in a house with six guys. You guys have heard plenty of this. Well, I've told you a lot of gross stories about my house. Here's another one. In my room, I, I, I lived on to like an extension room of the house with another guy. Me and him were the only one that actually shared a room, and it was really gross. It had like these types of panels, but like we spray painted these black, and so you can't see all of the stains. We had like a bunch of low-ceiling office paneling that was just like stained, and it wasn't stained because of water. There was a raccoon <laughs> that lived in our roof. We didn't know this at the time, obviously. But we noticed when we would go to sleep that we would hear like, <laughs> we're like, what in the world? And it was a raccoon. And we named this raccoon Roxy. And I never saw Roxy until finally we called an exterminator. And, well, we called our landlord, and we're like, hey, dude, there's a raccoon. And he was like, yeah, go buy a raccoon trap. I was like, are you kidding me? We're not going to buy a raccoon. It's your job to, to get raccoons out of our house. Like, it's, you're the landlord. So, anyways, we went and bought a raccoon trap <laughs> and put it up, in, and we just put some peanut butter in it. And 
what we found out, it's really easy to catch raccoons. <laughs> you know, they're kind of, they're smart, but they also, like, are so incessant on eating food that they'll just, like, kill themselves. So we caught Roxy the raccoon and freed her a long way away from our house. I wonder if she got, I wonder what happened to her. Anyways, <laughs> I'm just thinking about that. Um, there was a, tr- we laid a trap for Roxy, rest in peace. And it was so, it was so flipping easy to catch this raccoon. We literally just put food. This is like what sin is in our life. Sin that so easily ensnares. See, sin that so easily traps. Listen, y- your life in college right now, when you walk around Santa Fe or you walk around your campus, it is like there are thousands of raccoon traps filled with peanut butter that your brain and your mind and your heart are just like, geared toward you're like ooh, that looks enticing Ooh, there's that guy working out of the stadium oh I so desire to be in a relationship like oh man I wish I could go out and live it up like they do oh man I wish I was a smart like there are traps of sin unbelief that God's way is best all around our campus and what's true about sin is it so easily ensnares us it traps us it's like a bear claw where it, it lures us with our desires. It knows the thing that we want, and, and we give in, and it snaps on our foot, and we feel guilt and shame. I wonder how many people in the room tonight walked in with ski coats and bear traps, with a giant ski coat of something that's hindering them from truly pursuing God and a raccoon trap on their arm. And they just kind of like waddled in today and they're like, I'm ready to run the race. I'm ready to pursue Jesus. And the writer of Hebrew is telling you, he's like, yes, there's a race to run. Let's pause for a moment and let's lay aside any hindrance, any ski coat you need to unzip, and any trap that you've fallen into, any sin that so easily catches us, catches us all, and lay them aside. This is his encouragement. I wonder how many of us are weighed down wanting to pursue Jesus, but are so weighed down by our sin and hindrances, things that are keeping us from actually pursuing what God wants. And so what we want to do tonight is to have a moment and listen from the writer of Scripture, God himself, and to hear what he has to tell us, to lay them aside. He gives us one other thing to do says this, let us lay aside and let us run with endurance, with perseverance, the race that lies before us. You might be thinking like, man, how hard it is to pursue Jesus. I am feeling worn out. I am feeling tired. I'm feeling like I'm struggling with doubt. I'm feeling with stress or anxiety or this sin. And I'm beginning to like have unbelief that what God's way is best Listen to the words from Scripture. Let us run the race with endurance that lies ahead of us. And here's how you can do that. Because if that sounds hard, it is. And here's how he tells you how to run this race. And here's our encouragement for you tonight, how to run the race. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. 
keeping our eyes on Jesus. Where's your focus tonight? Here is my encouragement. Look to Jesus. If you have never put your faith in Christ, if you have just been coming to Salt Company, or maybe this is your first time, and you're like, hey, I know what you're talking about. Like, man, the sin that ensnares you. I feel trapped by my sin. I feel like I've, there is no way out. Hear, hear what he's saying. Look to Jesus, the source of your faith. Your faith is not dependent on how, many mis- how little mistakes you can have or how good you can make your life. The source of your faith is Jesus. The only thing that will give you right relationship with God is not your ability to try really hard to get your life together. The only thing that will earn you a right relationship with God is a perfect Savior who gave up his life on the cross, who would die for your sins. And there's only ever been one person, and his name is Jesus. He is the source. He is the very essence, the pioneer, the creator of our faith. Maybe you are a follower of Jesus tonight. I would tell you to do the same thing. Look to Jesus, because he's not only the source of our faith, he is the perfecter of our faith, which means this. You walked into this room with not a perfect faith. With there are areas, there are areas in your life where you need to lay aside hindrances and you need to lay aside sin. And the only way you're going to know what you need to lay down is when you look at Jesus and you see his perfect life, the perfect holiness that he has, you will begin to see the unholiness in your life. And the good news is Jesus is not done with you. You are not perfect but you are being perfected. And this is good news. We're called to lay aside and to run, looking to Jesus. And we look to Jesus when things get hard, and that does get hard. As you begin to lay down things and you begin to obey God in ways where you have to just trust him, and it looks like you're about to lose everything. I heard John Piper say this at some point where he was like, he's, he's commenting on this verse, and he's like, it looks like a ton of loss, like so much loss. When you lay aside hindrances for the sake of the, the gospel and you lay aside sin for the sake of the gospel, there's so much you lose. So What do we do when we think, man, like this is really hard. How are we going to keep going? Well, we see the last verse in verse 2. We lay these things down, looking to Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God, at the right hand of the throne of God. We look at the example of Jesus, who knew what was ahead of him, the cross. And in his mind, you have to know this is, Something I do not want to do. This looks like incredible loss. This is the loss of life. This is death on a cross. You think Jesus wanted to die? No. Part of him, his humans, I want to die. But for the joy that was set before him, 
endured the cross. Jesus saw past the pain and suffering. He saw past the loss of life and saw the joy and the glory that was set before him in obedience to the Father. And so the writer of Hebrews encourages us right now, before you think about ending the semester and an encouragement for your faith, to lay aside your sin, to lay aside hindrances, and though it might look like loss tonight for you, losing something, know this, there is joy set before you if you endure the suffering that comes with living like Christ. And that joy is relationship with Jesus. See, when we follow Jesus, we lose a lot, but in actuality, we lose nothing because we gain Jesus. Let's pray. God, we just want to let this encouragement fuel us to trust you. That when you call us to lay aside hindrances in our life, to lay aside sin in our life, that God, that all of that is worth it. Running this race, pursuing Jesus, being convicted of sin, conformed into your image, this is all worth it because of the prize that is before us, the prize of heaven, the prize of Christ, that we get to know him. And the more that we suffer, the more that we know him, God, we want to see this encouragement. We want to hear this, and we want to, we want to trust. God, give us faith to believe. That it's all worth it because it is in the end. When we look at the example of Jesus who lived in continual obedience of the Father his whole life, never straying away, never giving in to unbelief, never giving in to sin becoming the perfect, obedient, spotless lamb that every person in this room needed. And he even endured the cross on our behalf for the joy that was set before him. And this joy was the glory of bringing a lost people to himself. The joy was getting the worship from others and giving glory to the Father. And the Father is glorified through the Son's sacrifice. And God, through the Son's sacrifice, we have life and we have joy. And so, Father, would you just lead us into a moment to just, man, to see Christ, to see him, to look upon his beautiful face, to see the gospel is true in our life. And let this encourage us Would you focus our eyes on Jesus tonight? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.